Dear listener, Sairam and greetings from Prashanti Nilayam. Welcome to our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This is a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12.30pm Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion is on Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 12th March 2015. Have a listen please. Sairam dear listeners and welcome to another episode of Afternoon Satsang. As you know, this is the Ramakatha fortnight where we will be enjoying the nectarous story of the life of Lord Sri Rama as penned down by our dear Swami. Right at the outset, we would like to offer our most humble salutations at the lotus feet of our dear Swami and also offer our prostrations to Lord Hanuman who is always present wherever the Ramkatha is sung. Sairam Prem, you know, whenever we begin this satsang on the Ramkatha Rasavahini, we always begin it with acknowledging the presence of and offering prostrations to Hanuman. Right. I often wonder how, how lucky Hanuman is, you know, because he seems to have got this blessing that wherever uh, his Lord's name is being sung, wherever his Lord's glory is being sung, he gets the chance to be present there. So, I always envy him, even in Prashantinilyam, in Puttaparthi, when Bhagwan built the Vidyagiri Stadium, right on top he placed Hanuman as an ideal for all the students to emulate. And there can be no doubts in anyone's mind if we have heard Bhagwan's discourses, which are present aplenty in the discourse stream as well as the Asia stream of the Radio Sai streams. We can be sure that Hanuman is definitely a very, very dear one to Swami also. Not only to the Lord in the Treta Yuga, but even the Kali Yuga. So, I have often felt very, very jealous of Hanuman. And many times I have prayed in my heart, Swami, I also want to be like Hanuman, I want to be like Hanuman. Recently, I had been reading a few stories, tales about Hanuman from the mythology. Mm-hmm. A very interesting thought comes there, you know. You see, while it is true that wherever the Ramkatha is sung, Hanuman is has the blessing to be present. Wherever Hanuman is present, you know, the converse also holds true. Wherever Hanuman is present, the Ramkatha is sung. Because whether anyone is singing it or not, every moment of his life, wherever he is, whatever he is doing, Lord Hanuman always has Lord Rama's name on his lips. He is constantly and incessantly remembering Rama, remembering the exploits of Rama, the glories of Rama and the stories of Rama. So, once you get to know that, you know, here comes a kind of a tricky question. Is it that wherever Hanuman is present, the glory of Lord Rama is sung or wherever the glory of Rama is sung, Hanuman is present? I think these two are so inexplicably intertwined that we cannot separate them. But this much we can derive from this that what we wish to be the power and the energy to be that lies in our own hands, in our own selves. If we too wish to be like Hanuman, we too need to do the same. If we also wish that, you know Swami, wherever your glory is happening, wherever your Mahima is taking place, wherever your name is being sung, I want to be there and partake of that wonder and that amazement, that magic, that beauty. I think 
it is left to me that i also make my life like that can i ensure that wherever i am present the glory and story of my dear sairama is sung i feel if i put in efforts my sincerest efforts to do that surely a time will come when wherever his glory or name is sung i too will get a chance to be present either physically or virtually via the internet or the many other ways that is present today very true and even as you're describing about hanuman the other interesting thing which uh, kind of strikes me is you know there is a correlation in a sense between uh, some of these devotees especially hanuman or mm. even if you take for that matter somebody like ramkrishna paramahamsa we see them as devotees at the same time we have in the back of our mind the idea that these are not normal devotees they have those that have already established themselves in that oneness also we I mean, nobody would look at ramkrishna paramahamsa and say that he was only a pining devotee because his words came from that deepest wisdom where that you know the ultimate stage has been reached but the beauty is these are devotees who had reached that ultimate stage and returned to that path which actually took them to that stage for hanuman himself is claimed to have said that i know that i and my rama are one but still wherever his praise is sung i will install myself not only hanuman we also know that prem because all said and done we do have temples dedicated to hanuman alone we worship hanuman right. hanuman is no longer a devotee for us he is god absolutely and that is why you know in our approach to spirituality we often think that devotion is a path and after a certain stage you are supposed to graduate from it and something mm-hmm. like uh, shravanam and kirtanam and vishnu smaranam these are all paths you graduate from and then you reach a state where you don't do any of these things but mm-hmm. all these devotees in fact even a devotee like namdev you know you have that beautiful story where there is that episode where uh, gora kumhar the potter devotee Mm. he comes and uh, he apparently he says there's a confluence of saints and he says i'm going to check whether you all have attained that spiritual wisdom mm. so he brings that small cricket bat kind of an implement with which they check whether a pot is completely baked mm. so with that he comes hitting the head of each of those devotees who's present which includes namdev nyaneshwar muktabai and uh, you know sakubai and all those stalwarts of devotees So finally when he comes to Namdev and Namdev is a person who has reached that state where Vithala comes to his house he mm. treats Vithala as his friend and he can just walk into the sanctum sanctorum and speak to Vithala mm. you know that is a state of devotion that he has attained so you know this potter devotee comes and hits the head of Namdev and he says unbaked pot <laughs> so he says unbaked devotee so Namdev gets very very furious and you know he says that i thought you were all saints and you seem to be such dull wits and he walks out of that congregation and he goes home and vithala comes to him and he says what happened why are you looking so downcast why are you so upset and he explains the whole scene and says this is what happened and uh, very very quietly you know lord vithala says you know what actually it's true you are a slightly unbaked devotee <laughs> and namdev is furious he says i thought you are my best friend you are the true friend and now you have joined them in ridiculing me so he's very upset and all that and uh, then vithala comes him down and he says you go to this particular place you know and there is one great master there he will tell you the truth hmm. he will lead you to the ultimate understanding by which you will become a baked pot so hmm. in very in anger namdev goes away and there he goes and he sees this old man lying under a tree with his legs placed on a shivalinga hmm okay and he's lying like that and he says what a blasphemous thing to do he is using the shivalingam as a foot as a footrest oh my god he is lying down and his feet is on a shivalinga mm. and he says old man what have you done and is this how you treat a sacred symbol like the shivalinga 
And then old man says, oh, is there a linga there? I didn't know. I was very tired, so I just lied down and put my feet up on mm. uh, whatever it looked like. I didn't know it was Shivalinga. And he mm. said, I'm very old and very tired. Why don't you help me by lifting my feet and putting it down? I mean, where my feet can be laid. Mm. You know? So Namdev, in frustration, he comes and just lifts his feet and puts it down. And where he places this old man's feet, another Shivalinga arises. And then wherever he's there to put this person's feet, there a new Shivalinga just comes up from there. And then he realizes that he is no ordinary master. And imagine, you know, a stroke of brilliance. You know what Namdev does? Hmm. He takes those feet and places it on his chest. Oh, so that a linga can... <laughs> and in that moment, he attains the realization that he and Vitala are one. Okay, and then he runs back to Vitala. Actually, he doesn't run back to Vitala. In that bliss, he goes back home and doesn't go to the temple. Hmm. Okay, then after a day or two, Lord Vitala comes. He says, Namdev, what happened? Why are you not coming to see me? And he says, you are a cheat. You cheated me all this while. You took me away from the understanding that you and I are one. And then Vitala says, yes, that is the understanding. Now you are a big pot. But having reached that understanding, now go about as a friend devotee, Namdev, and teach them the path of devotion. Wow. I remember reading this story, Prem, in our uh, Hindi textbook. Mm -hmm. It's so wonderful. It feels so good that these things are there in the curricula because these seeds get planted. And I remember that it is an Avandya Nagnath temple. Okay. And But I seem to have forgotten the name of the master who Mm -hmm. gives him this ultimate experience. But yes, it is in a temple in Maharashtra where this episode takes place. And uh, as you were narrating this, the lesson from the story where... Vithala tells Namdev that now that you have attained the truth, now mm. go back and lead life as Namdev, you know, play your role well. Right. I am reminded of that analogy again of how Swami says all of us are actors in a drama. Mm-hmm. And just because we know that we are actors in a drama, acting out a story that is not true. It's a movie which has been directed and scripted. Somebody may die in the movie, but actually nobody is dying. Somebody may cry in the movie, but actually nobody is sad. Somebody may win great victories in a movie, but actually nobody has won. Even then, a good actor is one who knows, you know, who doesn't get involved in the acting, that he cries or laughs really. But at the same time, just because he knows that it is not true, it is just an illusion that is being created, it doesn't mean that he revolts and doesn't participate willingly in it. A good actor is he who knows that actually the person there is not my mother. Actually, that is not my father. Actually, this is not a sorrow. Actually, this is not a joy. At the same time, I will show myself as I'm as if I'm experiencing the joy, as if I'm experiencing the sorrow, because that is what makes me a good actor. So that is what I feel Namdev was instructed to do by Vithala. That is what I feel that our Lord Hanuman, who is seated here and possibly smiling as we speak, also does. Though he is complete in his realization and he is no different from being a lord himself as I said we worship him at the same time he seems to lead a life of a devotee a perpetual devotee possibly to teach how one should act well in this movie called life so that each one of us can become an Oscar award winner ourselves in this movie you know that's the beauty when you say that we worship Hanuman I think uh, one of my classmates who is from north he said there is almost no village in north India where there is not a temple for Maruti or for Hanuman. Hmm. I mean, you may or may not have a Shiva temple or a Rama temple or Krishna temple, but you certainly will have a Hanuman temple. And I think it's almost like worshipping the path. Hmm. Instead of worshipping the destination, you worship the path because it's a tested, Hanuman's life is a tested path. 
and you know the amazing thing about hanuman now that the topic has come i just thought i will uh, say this also that hanuman gives all of us hope see many of us feel that we came to swami so late and as we discussed in you know, an earlier satsang those who came in the 70s feel they came late because they should have come in the 60s those who came in the 80s feel that they should have come in the 70s same about 90s and the 80s i came in the in 90s and i felt oh god how late i have come i missed out a good decade i should have come in the 80s and i'm sure those who came after 2000 would have felt that they should have come at least 10 years earlier and those who come today feel that you know we have come too late swami has left the physical and why so this feeling of being late is nothing unique and new every time people have felt we could have come earlier so in that sense if we see you know hanuman appears so late in the ramayana in fact we have had so many ramkatha rasavani discussions and there is no hanuman coming at all and yet in the ramayana if we have to name anybody else other than the hero rama most probably the first name that will come is hanuman even in any picture of rama's coronation or anywhere where rama sita lakshmana are standing hanuman is inevitably present there so i feel hanuman in that sense gives us hope and gives us courage that don't worry it is never too late it is never difficult if you have decided and you want to really become close to the lord nothing no force in the universe can come in the way of you becoming that it is just about you having to make up your mind and deciding to dedicate even if you have come very late it's not a problem you can still rise to the spot of being the dearest one to the lord and that's why hanuman is such an inspiration for me personally because i feel no problem when i have come to swami no problem even if swami has left physically i can definitely strive and pine for him and get a place in his heart so that i am dearest to him in that sense hanuman gives hope the previous section when we spoke about the ramkatha rasavahini mm-hmm. we had reached that point where rama lakshmana and sita have come across a small city which is as beautiful as amaravati in their own words and they have interacted with the denizens of that city after which they are proceeding ahead in their exile into the forests and that is when rama notices that sita seems to be getting tired and therefore he tells lakshmana that this is a place where we will rest and even as they are resting lakshmana goes into the forest to fetch berries and water for his lord and mother sita so that they can take rest i think that is a point we had reached right i think this is shortly after guha has been asked to return and they have also visited the ashram of sage bharadwaja right after the visit to bharadwaja and we spoke about how we're seeing the response of rishis like bharadwaja who guha was so very moved by the chance that he had got to interact with lord rama exactly. and as you said they move on and uh, they are actually in that situation where they are looking for a place to settle down because 14 years is a real long time <laughs> and during this course of this journey as you said they come to this particular beautiful city they interact with the citizens of the city and then they move on and come to the ashram of another sage they see another beautiful uh, very very peaceful and calm ashram which is there and then they come to know it is the ashram of nanels then valmiki the and very person whom we started the story with and swami gives a nice description of the same he says that they enter that part of the forest which is really thick now and as they start walking in 
you can hear the calls of the wild animals and very little sunlight is able to filter and percolate through the thick canopy and reach the ground so it is difficult to make out whether it's uh, day or night and as they proceed in the forest swami says that suddenly they come across a piece of land that is beautifully cultivated and well kept it is definitely not something wild right. because though there is a lot of growth in the wild this kind of uniform and you know directed growth you will not be able to see and this landing swami says that on one side of this patch of land are the beautiful vindhya mountains mm-hmm. and on the other side of this patch is a valley in which there is a river flowing it's a very ethereal scene and swami writes that just seeing this hermitage seeing this well kept garden the flowers and the little hermitage amidst the whole jungle just seeing that in itself calms sita so much and therefore rama decides that this is the spot we will be going to and as you said when they come there it happens to be the hermitage of valmiki who is coincidentally the author of the ramayana itself right many times in uh, some of these novels which are very imaginative you will have that thing where there is an author or a novelist who is writing a novel mm-hmm. and uh, the story spans out in such a way that those characters that he creates happen to come in his own life you know there are so many stories like that where then the author's interaction with the plot which he himself has created i think there are one or two indian movie directors also mm-hmm. or maybe even uh, hollywood directors who ensure that in the movie that they are making <laughs> they themselves make an appearance right, very briefly a brief appearance <laughs> but you know this is typically like that because we started off with you know sage valmiki pinning down the ramayana mm-hmm. and as the story goes you know narada comes and tells him it's a very beautiful uh, episode where valmiki is asking himself is there a perfect human being on this earth mm. is there somebody who has lived a perfect life and whose life can be held up as an ideal mm. because of course he sees after he comes out of his penance i'm sure there would have been a little bit of overtone of his past because of a decoit of a decoit of how selfishness actually rules the life of most people that's when he asks is there an ideal man is there idealism living in this world still and narada comes in front of him and says that yes there is one like that and you are going to write the story of that individual hmm. and narada says that it is happening right now you know the, the avatar is on earth and the avatar who is in progress and you're going to write about that avatar A live commentary right <laughs> and he says that as you write the story the story will be revealed to you so it is not like the story has been told to him and he's penning it down even as he is sitting and writing scene after scene he says that the scene will play in front of your eyes you will mm. see and it just you know fills one with awe how it would have been where valmiki would have come to the point where he would have written that at such and such a point rama will walk into your ashram <laughs> the ashram valmiki oh wow <laughs> you don't know whether the excitement came first or the realization came first right. because if you are watching it live you don't know that it's going to happen and even as you write i'm thinking even maybe as maybe just that morning he would have written that yes, <laughs> no worries, you know? that conversation that happens in that place which is like amaravati which we spoke about for example he is writing that and i'm just imagining even as he wrote that he must have felt that oh my god this is just nearby is it possible that rama is going to come here i mean maybe partially empathize with valmiki because you know you would have those moments even with swami it's like you know and yet you don't know just imagine i'm sure you also would know many people who have had this experience where swami comes and says that tomorrow i shall speak to you so swami has said that tomorrow i shall speak to us which means that swami is going to give an interview tomorrow 
but will it be an interview or will it be just a conversation in the lines so many thoughts go on in the head and that morning as swami comes out for darshan though technically you are assured that swami has to keep up his word you still nervous right you don't know whether swami is going to come whether he is going to call and many times it has happened when swami has said tomorrow i will call you and when tomorrow comes in our human terms swami actually doesn't call for an interview and something else happens and later on you are able to look back on it and realize oh my god this is what swami meant and yes it makes beautiful sense now so you see i feel valmiki's situation was something like this where you seem to know what is going to happen what is going to pan out because that is a boon given to you by narada but at the same time you don't know how exactly it is so as you said it's a very very thrilling situation valmiki might have been in and in the beginning you said that this is like those scripts where the author decides to put himself in the story for a bit i feel here it was the reverse where the characters of the story in this case rama decided to allow the author to himself be part of the story for a while and become part of his story or his story as we say and really it is an enviable position to be in the state which valmiki was at the time when he receives rama lakshman and sita at his hermitage and even looking at the story you know we tend to put a little bit of ourselves into the story and the characters if you look at it that way mm-hmm. who knows maybe valmiki was in a bit of self doubt too you know when mm-hmm. he was writing the story is it really true that somebody like this is living is it really true that this is a story of a prince who is living right now mm-hmm. maybe as a revelation to him or as a reassurance to him mm-hmm. without his knowledge that was the turn of events which is there that not only will you write about him you will also come to see him and I think that is what perfectly describes the way Swami plots this particular scene mm. where Valmiki sees Rama and the surprise and that and the thrill with which he acts when he sees Rama Lakshmana and Sita coming I mean it really would have been an out of the world <laughs> experience for somebody like Valmiki really that is why he welcomes them with all his love he opens up his heart along with the ashram as soon as he is informed of their arrival he welcomes them inside and you know treats them you know they say atithi devo bhava that is your guest is god imagine the situation when deva atithi bhava when god has become your guest that is the privilege that valmiki enjoys and what is evident in what he speaks in the manner in which valmiki speaks it definitely shows that he is a man of great sadhana and he is a person who is always contemplating on the reality of rama the true reality of rama he might be writing about rama the prince rama the person in exile but the truth that rama is the supreme one who has taken on the limitations of a human body in order to show who a perfect man is how a perfect man leads his life that truth valmiki never forgets even for a moment and that's evident in the way he answers rama's question and rama's question to him is apparently very mundane but as we shall see in the discussion that will follow rama's question leads valmiki to reveal insights for all of us and all of humanity to derive lessons from but i think prem we shall leave that conversation for after this little break dear listeners enjoy this song in the meanwhile a little break after which we shall come back to that apparently mundane but very significant question from rama and in even more profound answer that valmiki gives him
song and one of those many tongue twister songs written by Swami <laughs> and I, I still remember how we used to struggle to pick up these songs to sing in front of Swami and that was a pleasure in itself. You have all these Bengali, Gujarati, North Indian, <laughs> Tamil and Some even Western, also, even yeah. Western, right? Trying to sing these songs with great difficulty, mouthing these tongue twisters. Swami used to feel so happy and Swami would so much relate to these songs. Sometimes even a small mistake in the lyrics Swami will pick out. And you say, I, I didn't write it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Such beautiful memories. And what a lovely song. It says, there is nothing sweeter than to think of Lord Rama, to take his name, to listen to his stories. And isn't that what we are experiencing now? Coming back to the story, we left at the point where, you know, there is this beautiful interaction and this uh, meeting of 
the hero of the novel and the author of the novel <laughs> if hmm. you could put it that way the only thing this is not a novel this is a real story which is playing out rama is meeting valmiki and you know among all the other things which he could ask and which he could probably bestow and give a benediction on valmiki he says he describes the whole story you know, two things which happen here which struck me he describes the whole story of how kaikeyi gets him banished hmm. to the forest and you know the whole thing because valmiki would have been listening to it knowing very well how it is the whole thing is panned out at the end of it valmiki says that i am so grateful to mother kaiki mm. he says i am so happy now that i bless her with part of my merits i earned it is because of her that we are having the pleasure of your company mm. and that's such a beautiful thing of course in, in this situation he is thanking kaiki and i think if you look at any person who is wise mm. you know we meet so many people in our life if you were to look at somebody and say that he is a very wise man or a wise woman or a person who a man of wisdom i think one commonality which you would find in all of them is they would be in a position to understand well some of the misfortunes which has come upon themselves in life mm. i think that is a standard way of identifying a wise person because if you are able to look back at some of the things which have unpleasant things which have happened in your life or what you would others would call misfortune and you see a reason for that happening in your life i think that's a perfect sign of wisdom and that's a hidden message in this i feel because you know valmiki is saying everybody is telling that kaike is so cruel in this one i think we also had that scene in the ashram of bharadwaja where some of the women folk say that you know don't talk ill of kaike it is because of her that we are having this darshan of lord rama mm. and if we could internalize this and if we could say that i don't know one of my classmates used to say you know he was quite bad at studies and he would say i'm very happy that i'm bad at studies because he said had i been good at studies i would be doing engineering or medicine somewhere it's because i was bad at studies i knew that it's no point pursuing that of course he was not a devotee when he came to swami so he would say that now when i look back i'm happy that i was bad at studies at school hmm you know when you were saying a kind of a statement formed inside my head and i'll just spew it out now possibly the statement is this if you consider something as a misfortune you have missed a fortune that is possibly the case because as you said a wise man will never consider anything as a misfortune he will always be able to see the good that it is bringing him or her he will always be able to see the benefits that have have accrued to him or her because of the so called misfortune so they always look at it as a fortune because they don't want to miss the fortune that comes out of a so called misfortune and that was how valmiki therefore thanks mother kaikeyi for what the world and all the ignoramuses consider as a misfortune for rama and that is when you know he asks rama how can i be of any service to you but he prefaces that by saying that how can anyone be of any service to you because after all everyone are but actors in the drama you alone are the director so you know who has to do what and what they will be doing so everyone is doing as per what you have willed and what you have written so how is it that anyone can be of service to you but then i too am playing my part so this is the place where i say that you know valmiki is always reminding himself of the reality of rama and not allowing the drama to cover up the rama <laughs> and so therefore he says rama but in this role that i am so tell me what is it that i can do and that is when rama asks an apparently mundane question he asks oh revered sage see we have to spend these 14 years as i have told you this whole history could you please direct us to a place 
which is good good so that we can as you said 14 years is not a small period of time we have to spend all this time so could you please direct us to a place where we can spend the remaining part of our exile and a, a very very straightforward question a very logical question too because that is what will be going on in the mind of a person who has to take care of his younger brother as well as his wife who have followed him without questioning any command or word of his into the forest and therefore it is a logical question to arise but i am sure neither of us prem you or me realized the magnitude of the insights and lessons that swami will impart to us via this conversation as rama asks this apparently mundane question very true you know as you said the first thing what he says is he is asserting himself in a sense asserting the truth to himself not himself he says that you know though you asking me this question though you pretend to be this way i know who you are and i know because after all he has been blessed with this knowledge ever since i mean it has been given to him as the mission of his life you know we all know valmiki only in association with lord rama i don't think we even recount the name of valmiki in any other context it is always yes. in uh, relevance to lord rama Correct. and you know such a, a person he says that i know who you are i know and if you choose to play this role then let me play along but the answer first which he gives is so profound hmm. and uh, just a couple of things because when rama asks just tell me a suitable place where i can stay you know some of the things which he says beautifully he says select a place where those whose ears like the ocean receive gladly the stream of stories recounting your exploits and are ever happy listening to the narratives of your divine acts and words he says choose a place where the people of those place have this attribute that like they are, the ocean receives right, rivers they are yearning to any time listen to your stories listen to your glory choose such a place and he says choose such a place where you know those who live whose tongues are busy repeating your name and tasting its nectarine sweetness those mm. whose throats recite and revel in the recitation of your praise and your words and you know the, the description of the place he is giving based on the people i think many times swami would say this you know deshamante matti kadu manushuloi he says place is not made of the you know of the dust of the earth in that place it's made of men and women of that place and when rama asks tell us a suitable place valmiki says choose a place which is like this which is filled with men who are yearning for you filled with men who rejoice in your presence and in your stories choose such a place if you can summarize that it's like all their senses are directed to you right. because he says that their ears pine to listen to your stories their tongues speak your name and they are righteous by their action so when valmiki gives this answer you know it hits us because this information is not being given for rama's benefit you know swami as the supreme hero and as the supreme author he is making the hero and author meet in order to give all of us his dear children a lesson that the lord installs himself in such a place where his glory is heard where his name is sung so it is a prod to each one of us as to how we should lead our lives if we wish for the lord to set up camp in our hearts and in our lives very true i think as devotees many people would ask you know because i think the nature of this avatar is such that you know swami has always revealed his presence through shower of vibhuti from the photographs mm. or nectar coming out of the photographs or some kind of you know inexplicable phenomena happening in houses and invariably a devotee 
who comes to Swami and who spent a few years in Swami's fold would start pining for such things. Hmm. And this seems to be like a perfect answer for that. You know, when will I come and install myself in your house? Is your house a place like this? Where you are ever happy and ever eager to listen to stories about me? Are you ever happy and eager to sing my praises? In the sense, are you living a life which is centered around me? Then I have no other choice but to come and install myself in that center. You know, that is the beautiful message which Swami is giving in the small dialogue between Valmiki and Lord Rama. It's such a beautiful and profound way. And you know, that is why Ramakatha Raswaini is so special. You know, because Swami is putting across some of the answers to our questions in the form of this story, in the form of many of these small, small dialogues. And that is why, dear listeners, don't think it's Ramayana. We've heard it all the time. We've known it all the time. We've always read it. That is why Ramkatha Raswaini is worth reading over and over again. And for that matter, any text which is born out of spiritual wisdom, that is the beauty of any of these texts. You know, as you said about Swami giving us a message as to how he'll install himself in our homes. Another thought that occurred to me is, we often say that Swami is in Prashantinilayam. Nilayam actually in Sanskrit means a home, right. an abode, the home and Prashanti. So, Prashanti means the supreme peace and you know, Swami tells us what is the route to peace. He says, when somebody asks, I want peace, he says, drop the I, drop the want, you have got peace. And in order to drop the I and drop the want, I which is ego and want which is desire, definitely one of the most powerful ways is through bhakti is to desire something much higher than our desire so that it, so that our want goes away and to attach ourselves, have abhimana to something higher than our own petty body and mind so that the dehabhimana goes off so that we attach ourselves to something higher. So, if our ears pine to hear about him, if our tongue pines to speak about him, if every pore in our body resonates with his name, if every thought in our mind is only about him, then alone can we have two true peace, the prashanti that we speak about. And once we have prashanti, the nilayam where we stay in, the home which we stay in, automatically becomes prashantinilayam and Swami has installed himself there. So, as Rama says this to Valmiki, dear listeners, I think all of us should draw in this message that we have to spend every moment of our life thinking about him, speaking about him, feeling his glory, hearing his story and convert our own homes into Prashantinilayam where the presiding deity is our dear Bhagwan Satisai Baba. You know, a reminder of what uh, our Chakravati sir once narrated in Swami's presence. Mm. I think the first time when he came or one of the first few trips, Swami calls him for an interview. I think it was the first interview which he had. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was so attracted to Swami in that very first time itself. And uh, in the interview room in those years, I think he came in the 1975, Swami's 50th birthday around that time. So there was a very, very beautiful picture of Swami in the interview room, mm. a framed photograph. And uh, you know he was like looking at Swami, Swami is so beautiful and he's looking at this picture which is equally beautiful. Mm. So at one point in the interview when Swami says, what do you want? He looks at the photograph and he says, Swami, can I take that? <laughs> <laughs> can I take that home with me? And Swami's answer was so spontaneous and so filled with love and so profound. Swami said, take me. Swami said, Nandati Skopo, mm. why you want to take the picture? Take me. And I think that is the message for every Swami's devotee. Swami says, come to Prashantinilam and take me home. You know, take a part of me in your heart, in your homes and install me. And 
it is for this very purpose we all come to prashantinilam and you know that is the beautiful message which swami is telling here and maybe quickly you know yesterday arvind you were also there we all were fortunate to be a part of the athirudram at least one day we could go and witness athirudram mahayagna right and you know the beautiful thing about going for anything like this i think on the way to the yagnam we had beautiful satsang in the vehicle hmm. and in that uh, i remember one of our brothers was sharing there's this devotee in indonesia and he had come for swami darshan and swami told him when he was going back that there is one buddhist monk you bring him along next time hmm. and that's all swami said there is a buddhist monk you bring him along next time so they said who is this buddhist monk and you know where do we go looking for him hmm. so they go back to indonesia and uh, his children were studying in the the college here the day when they were supposed to come back around sometime a couple of days before that suddenly this buddhist monk comes to their house some buddhist monk just a random buddhist monk and hmm. uh, the moment he comes they realize that maybe he is the person swami has been hinting at so they bring him along okay they bring him to uh, not sure whether it's brindavan or patti swami was in so they bring him very very calm monk and he is always meditating and he doesn't speak much so they bring him they put him in a, a room in the ashram and he says i will come for darshan tomorrow not today hmm okay and they are surprised you know you have come all the way here and aren't you eager to go and have swami darshan he said no no tomorrow i'll have swami darshan <laughs> okay hmm. and they are surprised and they go for swami darshan and swami comes and swami says have you brought him he says yes swami and swami says he'll come tomorrow for darshan <laughs> <laughs> almost like an understanding between you know that buddhist monk hmm. and swami and so they were quite surprised so next morning they come and uh, they bring him along So Swami comes and very very little interaction happens between the monk and Swami, almost like acknowledging his presence and he is kind of saying that Swami, I am here, that sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. And again that evening he says, they ask him to come for darshan again. He says, no, over, darshan is over. Mm-hmm. So saying, what happened? You come all the way from Indonesia and you are not going to make this trip again. Aren't you eager to come and see Swami? And you know what he said was so beautiful and you know it just blew them off. Mm-hmm. He said, Swami's darshan I keep having every day. I came to see the ashram. Oh, <laughs> he said, Swami invited me only to see the ashram. Swami Darshan, I keep having every day in Indonesia. Wow! You know that's when they struck him. You know it struck. So if people are asking, okay, if you're going to take Prashantinilam back home, if you're going to take Swami back home, why do we have to come and visit Prashantinilam? Hmm. Maybe this is the answer for that. Come and see the place which Swami built. You know through his own effort. Fantastic! And uh, <laughs> you know now that the topic has come. it was really really fantastic yesterday being at brindavan for the atirudra mahayagnam and you know one has to be present on such an occasion and the students who sang the songs oh my god Brilliant. the whole atmosphere got lifted above maybe a brief about the atirudra mahayagnam prem i think a maharudram is chanting rudram 11, 11 times, times so that chamakam. yes with one chamakam paragraph interspersed between each complete cycle of rudram So I think if 11 people do it for 11 times it becomes one maharudram 11 into 11 into 11 into 11 that's athirudram <laughs> that is athirudram yeah okay, so, so that much so I so think 11 right. days 121 people right. 11 times 11 daily times every day and therefore it becomes one athirudram right. and it was magical and a veritable feast indeed and that's the beauty you know of course even if you see the athirudram there are some finer aspects which actually make any event like this beautiful i was talking to some of the lecturers in bandavan they were saying that some of the things which they were doing which made it feel like swami it gives a mental picture for us that for easier for us to imagine that swami is sitting there because every day starts with that palanquin procession starting from trai hmm. 
Hmm. It is like Swami is coming to take part in the or preside over the yagnam, and he is brought in the palanquin position. And in the mornings, he is placed among the rithviks where the yagnam is happening. But in the evening, the same palanquin position comes. After the palanquin is placed where it's usually placed, they have these two lifts going up. Uh-huh. As when Swami used to come, Swami used to finish the ground and you know take that lift and go to the stage. So they were saying that see during the mornings it is a yagnam. So Swami is in a platform placed higher than the Ritviks. Mm-hmm. But in the evenings they usually have the speakers and music programs. So Swami is placed on the stage, which mm-hmm. is higher than the platform of the performers. It's almost like creating an, uh, a series of new rituals where you can actually feel and easier for you to imagine that Swami is coming and taking p- his place. I think that is uh, most important to remember the spirit behind right. that ritual. That is the idea of rituals itself, isn't it? Mm. If we are able to keep the spirit in mind, the ritual becomes spiritual. Right. And uh, yes, so this again going back to the Ramakatha story where we had left. So Valmiki answers like this. But then he goes on to say, oh Rama, continuing my role, if I have to answer you, then let me say that such a place exists on earth, exists nearby where people are pining to hear about you, people are pining to see you and people will be benefited because they are doing penance in order to win your grace and they will be really blessed to get clarifications of their spiritual doubts directly from you. Apart from that, that place is also very beautiful. It is situated in a nearby Chitrakuta mountain. So, it would be an ideal place for you to set up your dwelling place there. And uh, that is how he gives finally a practical answer. But at the same time, he is always keeping in mind the reality about Rama and that he is just an instrument mouthing those words in this divine drama that has been scripted by Rama. And that is how Rama, Lakshmana and Sita zero in upon this place in the Chitrakutra mountain along the river Mandakini. Mandakini actually has its origin in present day Kedarnath. Mm-hmm. It is one of the streams of Ganga. Ganga that starts from Gangotri, which is the actual Ganga stream from the Gomukh. It is called Bhagirathi because we know how Bhagiratha brought Ganga down. Right. But Bhagirathi is joined by different rivers before finally becoming Ganga. And one is Mandakini, one is Alakananda. Alakananda originates at Badrinath. Right. And uh, Mandakini originates at Kedarnath. So, this Chitrakutra mountain along the banks of Mandakini, that is where they decide to set up their hermitage. And uh, before we move on, I mean, a little more about that answer which he gave. Ah, you yes. know, just there's another thing which Swami adds, and that is why you know, Swami doesn't lose an opportunity to drive a lesson. Mm. It is not enough if you just worship Swami. It is not enough if you just pine for his words and his stories. Mm-hmm. That does not satisfy the qualifications required for a devotee because Swami is the second part of that answer which Valmiki says that it's so beautiful he says stay in the heart of the person who discards the evil in others and loves them for the good they have Hmm. who trudge along the journey of life in the path of morality and integrity who observes approved limits of conduct and behavior Hmm. and who has the faith in thought word and deed you know, it's such a practical thing. It's not simply saying that just be happy doing bhajans, just be happy listening to being in satsang. In your day-to-day activity, this love for God has to express itself as integrity, morality, in the way you respect others, in the way you see the good in others. Mm. And Swami never misses an opportunity to drive that lesson. Yes. 
and of course coming you back, also never miss an opportunity to ensure that whatever swami has driven home in case we have missed <laughs> it you have to bring it up <laughs> i hope we are doing that that's what we are here for and coming back even in that mandakini you know that is the other imagery which swami always plays with mm. you know even in that mandakini swami says that they go to a elevated place and they see the whole river flowing and they have this huge bank of the river from where they have to choose the northern bank i think the northern bank and swami says that at one particular point the river kind of snakes around this chitrakota mountain which looks like the river is in the shape of a bow hmm. and then uh, rama is actually explaining this to mother sita and lakshmana he says that look at this it looks like the bow which is ready to fire the arrow to kill the vices of human existence Hmm. So he says, so this particular spot where it is a center, which where you can imagine the arrow to be, that is where we will go in. And he stay. even says that these are the arrows of tapas, right. these are the arrows of patience, of perseverance, and all the arrows are metaphors for virtues. Right. And what they are going to destroy are metaphors for the vices. And Rama says that this Chitrakuta Parvata is standing like the hero wielding this bow right. that is being formed by Mandakini. and uh, it is again you know a subtle reference to rama himself who is wielding the kodanda to vanquish all these negatives with so you know as you said with this metaphor again swami shows that you know when rama was shooting arrows and killing demons it is not as if like a, a king hunting down somebody it is the supreme lord releasing arrows of virtues destroying the epitome and uh, other metaphors which stand for the vices very true in fact even as we go along the story that is what we would see that many of these demons at the moment of death actually you know are portrayed as being repentant and you know introspecting on their life and saying that these are the mistakes i've done and i'm so glad that the lord has released me from this such a life you know be it maricha be it later kumbhakarna and all the others they have that last scene of their life where they say that you know we are not angry or we're not upset that this has happened to us this was we are only glad that it has glad happened. it has happened we always deserved this kind of a punishment and we are happy that that Ram- punishment itself has come as a blessing because blessing. you are doing it right i think prem we have got enough time to cover one more very beautiful episode right and rather than narrate it ourselves i think we should listen to swami narrating this beautiful episode that happens even as rama lakshman and sita arrive at chitrakuta and now i think we have slightly jumped the gun mm-hmm. in possibly describing the spot where rama says that we have to build the hermitage being a true leader he first asks for opinions he doesn't choose that this is a spot where we will build the hermitage he asks for opinions and when he asks for lakshmana's opinion on where we should build our hut to stay the episode that takes place is so beautiful dear listeners let us listen to that episode in swami's own voice and uh, which discourse is this from prem this is again from that 1996 samuko series hmm. delivered on 22nd of may okay and we'll listen to this description and then we'll continue our and conclude our discussion today ramaadnane kuntidi andari kudunu anta pradhanamaina pramanam rama's command must be obeyed anaga daivaagna edi cheppinappudigini deeniki veru prashnane undakoddu it's god's command you should not question yes yes we should say yes yes dumuko dumkatame jump be ready to jump lakshmana kuda ante lakshmana is like that ayaka chitrakuta parvanna poyinappudu when they went to chitrakuta mount sita arisinattuga kanipinchindi sita pretend as sita ramu oka gundu paina kurchunnaru and they were sitting on a stone sita lakshmana pinchadu they call lakshmana lakshmana 
లక్ష్మణ ఒక పర్ణశాల నిర్మించు సీత చాలా అలసిపోయింది అన్నారు కన్స్ట్రక్ట్ హట్ పర్ణశాల హియర్ సీత ఇస్ వెరీ మచ్ అన్న ఎక్కడ నిర్మించాలో చెప్పమన్నాడు బ్రదర్ వేరే మై టు బిల్ నీకు ఎక్కడ ఇష్టమో అక్కడ నిర్మించమన్నాడు యూ కన్స్ట్రక్ట్ ఇట్ వేర్ యూ వాంట్ ఈ ఒక్క మాట లక్ష్మణ్ చాలా బాధింపజేసింది లక్ష్మణ ఫెల్ సో సాడ్ ఎంత పాపం చేశాను రామా నేను వాట్ ఇస్ సిన్ రామాయ కమిటెడ్ నీ వాక్కు నుంచి నేను ఇలాంటి కఠినమైన పదములు వినవలసి వచ్చింది కదా షుడ్ ఐ లిసన్ టు ఆల్ దీస్ హార్స్ వర్డ్స్ చాలా బాధపడ్డాడు వెరీ సాడ్ సీత వెళ్ళింది సీత వెంట్ లక్ష్మణ ఎందుకు ఇంత బాధపడుతున్నావు లక్ష్మణ రాములు ఏ కఠినమైన పదములు ఉపయోగించలేదు ఇష్టమైన చోటు నీవు నిర్మించమని చెప్పాడు చెప్పాడు నాకు ఇష్టం అనేటువంటిది ఒకటిందా రామ ఇష్టమే నా ఇష్టము మరొకటి లేదు I have no separate Rama choice of preference. If Rama says I should do it where I like, it means I'm apart from him. What a harm I have done. Madhiya, Dana, Dharadi, Sarvapara, Samarpitam, Atmanam, Seshabutam, Rachamam, Saranagati. I have surrendered all my wealth in the family and the kingdom. I have surrendered all my wealth in the family and the kingdom. I left everybody, the mother, father, the children, the wife, and caught hold of the children. And if you say that, I should build on my own choice. I should build on my own choice. I should build on my own choice. Rama patting the head of Lakshmana said you don't feel so sad. He sought his pardon for hurting him. He sought his pardon for hurting him. He sought his pardon for hurting him. దీన్ని పర్ణచాలి నిర్మించమన్నాడు అండ్ షోన్ దాట్ వేర్ దాడు లక్ష్మణుడు లక్ష్మణ్ నాకు ప్రధానము యువర్ కమాండ్ ఇస్ ఇంపార్ట్ ఏమైనా సరే నేను సిద్ధంగా ఉంటాను దాట్ ఈస్ ది ఎపిసోడ్ దట్ టేక్స్ ప్లేస్ బిఫోర్ రామా యాక్చువల్లీ సెలెక్టింగ్ ద స్పాట్ వేర్ ది హర్మిటేజ్ హెస్ టు బి బిల్డ్ Prem, that speaks so much about Lakshmana and again, abundance of lessons for each of us to imbibe, right? Very, very true. Because, you know, uh, one thing is every time I listen to this episode, the skeptics that we are, you know, we often say that there are other occasions in the Ramayana itself where Lakshmana did not behave in the same manner. Hmm. To be honest, in fact, uh, we have that later episode which comes where uh, Rama coins that beautiful verse where he says, Janani Janma Bhumishya. Hmm. where the same Lakshmana actually gave, gives a suggestion of let's rule over Lanka. Hmm. You know, this Lakshmana who says that let's not live here. I mean, don't tell me to choose where to live. He's actually suggesting where Rama can actually set up camp and live forever. A kingdom. Huh. <laughs> He's giving a suggestion. But I think what is important in this characterization of Lakshmana is, you know, this is his most spontaneous emotion where he was constantly telling himself that I am not the one to choose. I have surrendered myself. But it does not mean that you become infallible or you will ever live like that. Mm. But you have to constantly pull yourself back and say that this is how I have chosen to live. So if there is a moment where you stray away, you might think in that direction, but you don't act according to that thought. You say that the act is always according to this firm conviction that I have and these pledges that I have taken for myself. You know, in our day-to-day life interaction with Swami also, this would happen. Sometimes, you know, we would have spent so much of energy and time and resources in planning for something. And whenever such intense effort and planning has gone in, mostly Swami agrees with that and says, yes, go ahead and do this, do that manner. But there are those occasions where Swami seems to not bless you to go ahead with that, with whatever the planning is. Those are the times when a kind of conflict comes because 
I'm stating from personal experience where you feel that so much of effort and resource has gone in and you want to try to make Swami understand. <laughs> no, Swami, you see, this is like this. And Swami very lovingly would respond again saying, no, this is no, let us not do this way. And I foolishly think that Swami possibly is not understanding the wisdom that I have put in. The truth is actually I am being foolish and I am not understood Swami's wisdom. So, I remember one occasion when, uh, I won't go into the details of the entire episode, but a decision had to be taken Mm -hmm. whether I had to go to Orissa to cover a housing project or not. And at such moment when the entire plan was made and I got up and told Swami that Swami, I am going to Orissa. Swami said, why they are only coming here and... Swami seemed to be speaking little vaguely. I did not understand who is the day that they are coming here. Swami said, they are only coming. Why do you want to go? So I was wondering, what is this Swami saying? They are only coming. But I persisted. I said, Swami, I am going. Swami, it is there. Swami, shall I go? Shall I go? Finally, Swami said, Nishtam. Nishtam meaning your wish. And after Swami said and left, that is when it struck me, it hit me that, oh my God, Arvind, you are being so foolish. You are trying to tell Swami what what he should do? I mean, what is a better plan? Doesn't he know? How could you forget that Swami knows best and when Swami is saying something, it is the absolute truth. If Swami says, don't need to go, he doesn't need to support it with arguments and uh, logical reasoning from his side. And you can't counter it with logical reasoning from your side because whatever logic, whatever idea has come in your head, whatever thought has sprung in your heart, it is because of Swami, right? What is it that he is unaware of? So in that moment of weakness, you forget. And Maybe I'm not as wise or as devoted as Lakshmana, but I definitely felt the sadness that Lakshmana felt. Because the minute Swami says, Ni Ishtam, it is almost as if Swami is saying, you go ahead and do what you want. Right. I think that is the moment, as you're saying, we all tend to do this thing of trying to push our choices and push our understanding in front of Swami. But it really stings when Swami says, yes, do it according to your wish. You know, that's when when Swami says, Ni Ishtam, no. That's why you think, oh God, I'm actually trying to empower my ego mm-hmm. and trying to overlook what Swami is suggesting here. And that's exactly what is portrayed in this episode. It is not something which is trivial, which has to be overlooked. And that is why Swami tells that beautiful uh, shloka also in explaining this episode. He says, this is Sharnagati. Mm-hmm. This is saying that, and uh, I think it's a very important lesson. Once an elder, when he was talking to me, he said, see, when we go to Swami, we ask Swami to make some decisions for us. You know, mm. Many of us have been in situations like that. Somebody might be unwell in the family and we don't know what is the course to be taken in their treatment and we pray to Swami and you know we seek clarity. He says, anytime this happens, ask yourself whether you're making Swami to make a decision because you don't want to take responsibility for it. You know, that should not be the motive behind asking Swami to take a decision. Or the fear of making a decision should not be the reason for you to turn to Swami. Nor should the reason for turning to Swami be that you want Him to validate whatever you have right, decided. Right. You know, because these are the common mistakes we all do when we pray to Swami. As somebody was saying that, you know, if you have two decisions to choose from, just flip a coin. You will know what decision to make even before it is head or tails. Because mm. even as a coin is flipping in the air, you will be praying that let it be heads, let it be heads or something like that. Mm. And that is the decision you've already made. So it's almost like that. When we go to Swami, if you are asking Swami to make a choice for you, let it be that whatever be the outcome, you are absolutely balanced to accept any of that. That is when you are really giving the choice to Swami. That is when that prayer is coming out of surrender, not out of weakness or out of fear. And that is what Swami said in that Sharnagati. It is like 
I do not exist. There is no question of my choice, my likes, my dislikes. I am just an instrument and you choose and I just do what you choose. And that was that very, very strong emotion of a devotee which Lakshmana portrayed in that moment. And because of having such a kind of surrender, he was immediately rewarded with, you know, as Swami says, Rama himself apologizes to Lakshmana right. and tells him this spot which we described to build the hut over there. And so now Lakshmana is supremely happy. You know, Swami says that Rama also comes to assist him in the work as he is building and seeing her Lord working, Sita, Mother Sita also joins in and it is ultimately a teamwork that builds the hut. And, uh, you know, they are very, very happy at the beauty of the hut. See, Mother Sita in fact says that I have never lived in an abode as beautiful as this. It is a pleasure and privilege to be here. And so, it is a kind of a situation where all are very happy, peaceful, blissful and how they spend their time in the forest is again going to reinforce that being with the Lord is the most beautiful, most peaceful, most blissful thing that can ever happen to us in our lives. But we don't have time to go into that. Possibly we'll take that to next week. And at the same time, while on one hand we are seeing how beautiful and blissful it is to be with the Lord, how painful it is to be without the Lord, that is what is happening at Ayodhya. I think we will go into that also in the next week. As always, offering our most humble gratitude and pranams at Swami's lotus feet. Our salutations to Lord Hanuman who is here guiding us and inspiring us with his devotion and love to the Lord. We bring this week's episode of Ramkatha Rasavahini to a close with a song. And we shall continue the Ramkatha Rasavahini in the next afternoon satsang. Hope to hear from you via emails at listener at radioside.org and hope to be with you next week also at the same time to continue along this beautiful and sweet story. Thank you. Jai Sairam.
You just heard an episode of our radio program Afternoon Satsang. This was a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12:30 p.m. Indian Standard Time on Thursdays only on Asia Stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion was on Ramakatha Savahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 12th March 2015. Dear listener, we hope you liked this program. As always, you can send us your feedback to listener at radiosai.org. You could also WhatsApp us your feedback to this number nine three nine three two five eight two five eight. Thank you and Sai Ram.